0: Welcome back to Omni Shambles. This is a very 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 special episode. We have with us Aswin Susbang and Will Summer. Say hi, guys.
1: can can you do that name pronounce my name correctly? Aswin. Yes. Susbang. Subsang. Sus-sang.
0: Susbang. Ah, it's whatever. So, we are recording after a weekend in which two major stories happened. The first was a revelation from BuzzFeed News that Donald Trump encouraged his longtime lawyer, Michael Cohen, to lie on his behalf about the Trump-Moscow Tower deal. It turns out, perhaps, that that story may not be as was presented to us because the special counsel's office has said the story contains
1: inaccuracies. That's fair, right? Right. And the thing that I think got the special counsel deeply involved in this to the point where they made the unprecedented move of putting out an on-the-record dispute towards a news story is because the BuzzFeed st- story, what made it extra juicy, wasn't just that, oh, sources say that Donald Trump directed Michael Cohen to lie to Congress, right. which is one thing. That is one huge element to the story. But the thing that I think got Mueller's team involved in the way that it did on Friday night is that the story also read, it, it seemed to suggest at the very least, that uh, Mueller and his team had documents, text messages, emails, right. email, I think, to back up that uh, Trump had did this okay. uh, with Michael. Cohen. So
0: that that's the first story. And then the second story is uh, involves high school kids from a Catholic school in Kentucky, Covington High School, that appeared at first glance to surround a Native American elder, Vietnam veteran, playing a drum and taunting him and then subsequent videos kind of muddied the image but we don't really know exactly what happened because there's different takes coming in at all times and so we have this discussion about what can we believe and what should we believe and how do we actually consume news in this day and age so let's start with buzzfeed first mm-hmm. okay i would contend and i would like you to talk about this when That one of the reasons we are struggling to figure out how much validity is in this report is precisely because the people who the report is about are untrustworthy themselves. We are dealing with known fabricators. We are dealing with people who tell different versions of the same story as it progresses. People who take back versions of the story that they told. And so we've become sort of immune to the idea that, well... Truth is truth. And I'm kind of curious as a reporter navigating this, how you have to deal with folks like Rudy Giuliani and Michael Cohen constantly revising stories that they previously told. I mean,
1: the interesting thing about it is that whenever Rudy Giuliani or Donald Trump or anybody in the Trump or Republican orbit comes out with the immediate knee jerk reaction of, oh, Michael Cohen and his ilk, uh, they're proven liars why would you ever believed in? They have zero credibility. Right. The weird thing is that if you were to take that on its face and in good faith for a moment, they're obviously correct. Especially when you talk to <laughs> when you talk about a guy like Michael Cohen. The problem is the people saying that about Michael Cohen don't exactly have a leg to well, stand on. Well, they're like known liars right, too, right? Right. right. It, it, it's a it's a pack of liars calling a completely different. Yeah. Uh, um. Um, independently interested pack of liars, mm-hmm. another pack of liars, and then we go back and forth and back and forth. And caught in the middle, in part, is federal investigators, including yeah. a Robert Mueller and the Special Counsel's office, who obviously are not keen to make their findings open until significantly further down the line when the report. Right. So you have drops, one, pe- so. you have
0: one institution who you can sort of feel like you can trust, which is and the maybe. Special Counsel's office, but they never talk. And so then you have to sort of pick and choose what kind of information you want to take in
1: and process and say this is true. Right. And also to see the immense glee and joviality coming out of not just the president, but all of his cronies, when uh, Mueller spokesman Peter Carr put out that statement, blast out to various members of the media on Friday night, celebrating uh, the special counsel's office as supposedly vindicating Trump yeah. and all the people They're, who hollered for 24 the hours. Gun, yeah. Right. It, 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 was, it was staggering to behold after... Um, to hear the president basically repeatedly say, yes, believe the witch hunter, he's good now. Well,
0: here, let's play audio one, because this is sort of gets to the point that I'm inelegantly trying to present.
1: Categorically, I can tell you his counsel to Michael Cohen throughout that entire period was tell the truth. We thought he was telling the truth. I still believe he may have been telling the truth when he c- testified before Congress.
0: OK, so. Just to back up, there Rudy Giuliani says, We believe Michael Cohen was telling the truth when he testified before Congress. From what we understand, Michael Cohen, when he testified before Congress, said that the Trump Moscow deal ended well before Rudy Giuliani now says the Trump Moscow deal likely ended only Rudy Giuliani has now backed off his claim about when the Trump Moscow deal may be ended and said he doesn't really know when it ended but he's hi- he's speaking in hypotheticals about when it ended but either way the first testimony that Michael Cohen offered to Congress is not what the reality is at this point in time because Rudy Giuliani has revised the reality
1: right and to be um even mildly fair to um, Trump attorney Rudy Giuliani for just one second, the thing that's getting him in trouble or has gotten him in trouble over the long MLK Day weekend was that he had to go into what seemed like damage control mode and cleanup mode over him saying, oh, the discussions could have lasted up until the day Donald Trump was elected in 2016. Then people asked, wait, are you saying that's the timeline they were talking about till 2016? That's new. And then Giuliani had to come out again and again and then put out uh, an official statement saying, I was speaking hypothetically. I was not saying that the president told me, yes, we were talking about this until earlier, mid-November 2016. Right. To, to be Somewhat fair to Giuliani, this kind of is old news, and not to toot the Daily Beast own horn or anything, but back in the no late. Not toot. Sure thing, well, this is our podcast. Uh, so <laughs> in late
0: November. It's like if you're ever going to toot our horn, exactly. it might as well, it might be, as well on on be our podcast. these airways.
1: <laughs> uh, in late November, we were actually talking to Giuliani. He yeah. was talking about the um, answers that Trump, legal team, had just submitted, the written answers, right. to the special counsel's office. And we asked him for some clarification on these answers, and he. And we pressed him on it. And he very straightforward said that in a very lawyerly way, that the answers that we submitted that pertained in part to this Trump Tower Moscow prospective deal covers up, I think he said something defective, the inception of the deal, all the way up to the day and the night and the minute Donald Trump was elected president. The reason the written answers and the reason Trump's attorneys are saying this is because they are not ruling out, as they would spin it, that Trump had a conversation, let's say hypothetically, in late October with Cohen about this, and forgot about it.
0: Sure, I'll give him the benefit of that here, except for, except for the fact that. As we've talked about, they have sort of a lengthy history of not deserving the benefit of the doubt. No, no, so- a-
1: absolutely. Obviously, I'm not saying uh, Giuliani and his ilk are excessively deserving of the benefit of the doubt. All I'm saying is the stuff that he's getting repeatedly owned for over the past couple of days is actually old news, which people who read the dailybeast.com would know. And also, that if I'm to be extra generous about it, that a lot of his and Trump's legal team's woes, at least in terms of public relations and the media, sprout out of Giuliani. Not being able to say a thing properly and then having to clean it up. So, if that's the most generous I can be, that seems like a whole other separate indictment of Trump's outside counsel.
0: Okay. There was another story that happened over the weekend that got like much less attention than the first two I talked to, but I think it gets to what we should, what we're discussing here, which is what can we believe and what should we believe. Trump tweeted out a story by the Washington Examiner that involved prayer rugs being discovered ostensibly in Texas.
2: Sure. Yeah. So earlier last week, around Wednesday, the Washington Examiner ran this like really thinly sourced story alleging that Muslim prayer rugs were being found uh, in border regions in Arizona. Uh, with the implication being that, uh, you know, Muslim terrorists are sneaking across the border. Right. And the examiner sourcing for this was one anonymous rancher. They didn't have pictures of the prayer rugs, whatever. And going back, I mean, this is like a more than decade old kind of right wing media trope that pops up every so often as proof that we need more border security. Uh, and then, yeah, tr- Trump jumped on it and said, you know, see, there are all these so prayer rugs. What, what is
0: What's the real story?
2: I mean, the real story is, <laughs> you know, these are probably I, I, either it's completely made up, uh, you know, by this rancher, or these are, uh, you know, mats of some kind that, you know, there was no reason to think this rancher in particular would be able to, you know, identify a Muslim prayer rug.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: and it always, started, it it always struck yes. <laughs> <laughs> colon prayer rug. Yeah, no, it always struck me as bizarre that um, in their hypothetical, someone would take a prayer rug with them across the Atlantic, sneak it up through Mexico. And then just sort of like ditch it. Like,
2: well, that's enough of that.
0: Yeah, I'm done with <laughs> it. it. You serve me well, prayer rug. See ya. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. And you have these stories that take root. And I think what's new and novel about the age we live in is we have a president who will give it or will amplify it on that level. Well, out of curiosity, you know, is that the craziest urban legend story you've ever covered? <laughs> what What is like the first and, cra- first and the craziest Gosh, urban I... legend story you've covered?
2: I mean, I, I guess my mind immediately springs to the Whitey tape, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Th- th- this sort of apocryphal tape of Michelle Obama, you know, t- talking about Whitey and all the this. Like, ground
0: zero for like the modern day or urban political urban legend. You know, probably.
2: I, I, you'd probably have to go back to, you know, the, the Clinton era and, you know, Vince Foster and so on. Oh, right, and, uh, right, right, but, but but really, right. I mean, uh,
1: murdering a cat. Exactly. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, I would say like, you know, it's it certainly, uh, you know, in the Obama era, that was a big one. People, it, it was almost like the, this video, of course, never emerged. But the idea of its existence, you know, had had its own impact.
0: Do people still believe that the video is out there? I think so,
2: yeah. I mean, you know, kind of some fringe right-wing characters, yeah.
1: What was the meme, again, that she was on tape saying kill Whitey in her, like, youthful, supposedly radical day? I don't
2: know if it was a kill Whitey. It was kind of just, like, talking 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 bad about Whitey. I think there was a
0: Louis Farrakhan connection. I think they're hanging out with Louis Farrakhan. There was a tape on them, and she talked about how Whitey, you know, was problematic. (laughs) I
1: much rather would have that exist than all the video of her talking about how she's great friends with George W. Bush. But that's just me.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Um, There was also another, like, genre of Obama smears that, you know, he was, you know, a coke addict and engaged in gay sex acts and all that stuff. It seemed like... This thing really took off, like the whole the whole uh, paranoia, urban legend, you know, smear stuff took off in the
1: Obama era. They keep trying to make the Obama
2: seem way cooler than they actually are. <laughs> sure. I mean, exactly. I mean, the, the obvious examples here, are, you know, are the the birth certificate, uh, but even beyond that, the idea, you know, that he was Obama secretly the love child of this communist uh, in Hawaii and all this stuff.
0: And I guess it's impossible to not talk about without mentioning Jerome Corsi, who's like still a big well relatively big name like how you did a piece on Corsi and yeah, how he sort of emerged from the fringes can you talk a little bit about his his um
2: Sure. As, yeah. Absolutely. So Jerome Corsi is one of these uh, people who kind of doubles both as a, a wacko conspiracy theorist and on the other hand, a very, I, I would say, effective right-wing right wing uh, operative. And so, you know, he just recently was in Infowars. You know, he has this connection to uh, to the, the Mueller investigation in terms of
1: perhaps being a cutout between Roger Stone and Russia. He literally has a joint defense agreement with the leader of the free world, right? now. Right. Exactly. Which is the incre- for anybody who covered Jerome Corsi in the Obama era to have him have a joint defense agreement, a JDA, with President Trump is a fascinating element of the
0: what do you What do you think it says? Just that it's insane that someone who should be
1: relegated to the
0: yeah, sidelines yeah, of, he, the that, that has this world like is massive like actually... legally
1: agreement with the president of the United States, and that the president of the United States himself is Donald J. Trump, who built his political rise on racist, anti Obama birtherism. And used to be basically pen pals on a first name or nickname basis with Jerome Corsi. All
0: right. So then this brings me to the point, which is you're both journalists. And Will, let's go with you first, because you basically like as a professional capacity live in this universe. How do you sort out? truth from bizarre fiction.
2: Well, that's the the challenge of our age, right? And I, I, I don't know if you, <laughs> you necessarily can. I mean, getting back to this situation with the Covington students uh, at the Lincoln Memorial, yeah. I mean, this is a situation where, and I think it really says a lot about, you know, this murky media landscape we live in and facts, like, right. not existing or, uh, you know, so on one hand, we we see the initial video of, of, you know, certainly I think a lot of people saw that and felt that these students were ganging up on this guy. We've since found out that that video, uh, while being genuine, was being promoted by some shady foreign account that was very interested in stirring up division in the right. U.S. and has since been suspended by Twitter. Uh, and then, you know, all these other videos start coming out. And it's interesting, even when we have videos, you would think that would kind of settle it, right? Uh, but, you know, there's just almost a, the opposite. Well, exactly. I mean, at this point, I think there's maybe like a dozen kind of rival videos and they kind of go back and forth. It's like the kids are innocent, the kids well, let, are bad. Let's you stop know.
0: and pick you up right there. Let's play audio number four so people can understand. Before you play it, let me just set it up a little bit for... I can't imagine anyone doesn't know it at this point. But basically, an encounter happened at the end of the March for Life rally in front of the Lincoln Memorial involving a group of high school kids and a Native American veteran. He says that he felt intimidated by this group that surrounded him. They have countered that, in fact, he approached them and that they had a separate beef with black Israelites. It's a big sort of mess. Let's just play the video. This is Nathan Phillip. He is the Native American veteran talking about the incident. When that young man blocked my retreat,
1: you know, decided to stand in front of me when I was trying to make my way out of there, he put himself in front of me. So I stopped and I thought, okay, I'm going to take another step, but he wouldn't move. I took another step. He wouldn't move.
0: All right. So to your point, there's video, but then there's secondary video. And then you have a whole host of people just sort of diverging on what these videos actually mean and the significance of each of them. To the point where it's almost impossible to have a shared upon reality.
2: It's also sort of like if you come to a decision about it, I mean, what does that mean? I mean, you know, suddenly the big debate is like, are these high school kids good, bad, bad? somewhat bad, you know, whatever. I mean, until Friday, that wasn't really something that was on the national agenda. And And suddenly it is. Yeah. I mean, not to get too, like, philosophical about it, but I think it's a sign that I I think it's a sign of how, like, frozen our politics are, that it becomes this kind of like, who can we, like, take out on either side? So it's like, you know, if you don't like the kids, let's find them. If you do like, you know, let's find people who tweeted, punch them in the face and get them fired from their jobs.
0: And there's like this incredible conservative, they're incredibly galvanized by this moment in a way that people have compared to the Kavanaugh proceedings In which they basically have interpreted this as an attack on Trump, right? Like these kids were wearing MAGA gear. There is sort of this idea that if you're white and if you're a Trump fan,
1: it is okay for the mainstream media to go after you. Even if you're like a tween or something.
0: Even if you're a tween or something.
1: Will, since you cover this stuff like day in and day out, can you talk about how this is playing a little bit on uh, across right-wing media, both social and news. Yeah, exactly. So you might want to check out my newsletter, right, Richter? (laughs) Go to rightrichter.com, sign up for The Daily Uh,
0: Cross-promotion. Yeah,
2: so this has been gigantic on right-wing news and Twitter and all that. And it has really, I think, is where this kind of backlash built or this kind of change of the narrative. So that on Friday or Saturday, you know, everything was denouncing these kids. Cut to Monday, everyone's apologizing for saying the kids are bad, you know. And really a lot of that built with a lot of these kind of new right networks, a lot of these like pro-Trump people, they were making giant Twitter lists of people who had tweeted, you know, rude things about the kids. Gateway Pundit, for example, influential blog on the right. I mean, it was just like wall to wall, I'd say like 20 stories or something about the kids over the weekend.
0: How do you feel like Twitter has changed the way we go about digesting and debating these stories?
2: I think there's somewhat of a rush to judgment on one hand, but then on the other, like you can just get legions of people in your mentions and you know tagging your employer and stuff like that and you go oh yikes
0: what's been interesting to me is you had people make immediate opinions on this then you had people attack the immediate opinions and now you have sort of a backlash to the backlash in which there's a lot of liberal commentators being like i can't believe that these journalists most of them white and of privilege themselves are not Believing what's in front of them with their own eyes looking at this video and being like obviously these kids were repugnant and treated this Native American man Horribly and so there's like a backlash to the backlash to the backlash
1: And the president of the United States himself has gotten in on it And why well because he lives and breathes Fox News and Fox and friends and he saw it on Yeah, Fox I think Press, people so he, think
0: that this is like sort of I, a crafty cultural Division that Trump's trying to sew but in reality he's probably just watching TV and being like oh man I gotta weigh in on this yeah
1: and Over the weekend, I sort of made a conscious decision not to weigh in on this or weigh in or even read too much. Throughout my Twitter feed, I kept seeing people tweet snips of the video. I didn't watch more than that or even the whole thing. But I sort of picked up sort of the tea leaves you guys have been talking about. My only take on this as someone who has been completely almost disinterested and just detached from it is a lot of the right-wing backlash to the, oh my God, we got to protect these Covington kids at all costs. It's like, look, I'm very sympathetic to the notion of they're just kids. You got to give them the benefit of the doubt. Don't immediately latch to knee-jerk, immediate five-second news cycle, media nor partisan narratives or whatever. Like, I'm all for that. But I have zero interest of hearing that defense for these Covington kids From the exact same people who couldn't give a shit about someone like Trayvon Martin, who was a kid, being gunned down in the street. You're hearing this, oh, let the kids be kids, and why are you doing this to them and their families? From the exact same people who did the exact opposite when it comes to black people gunned down in the street. Well, this just gets to my point.
0: There's no singular version of an event that people will ever agree upon anymore. Whether it's kids in front of Lincoln Memorial, Trayvon Martin... You know, a real estate deal in Moscow, you know, we just can't seem to find ways to say, yes, this is how it happened. And there is no dispute in this is how it happened, even with video. And we have like dozens of angles of footage in this case, but it still just doesn't
1: seem to be convincing for everyone. Well, not to make everything about Trump, because Jesus Christ, I guess everything's about Trump. It it is sort of Uh, like you have the leader of the free world. President of the United States, Donald J. Trump, who you will show him a video of something happening that nobody with half a functioning brain and pair of eyes and ears, or even less than that, would dispute as what happened. And he'll look you straight in the eyes, millions upon millions of American people, and say, no.
0: Play audio number two of Vice President Mike Pence, because I want to take a step back here.
1: I think what what it says more about is the obsession of many in the national media to attack this president for any reason for any allegation
0: for any report in the media so he's talking about buzzfeed there right but i think one of the reasons that people can take different positions on video and stories and stuff is there's been a concerted effort to delegitimize the press led by trump and obviously pence and that unfortunately when the press does have a fuck up and we do like it happens all the time it's not unique to this era there's fuck ups In Watergate reporting, there was major fuck-ups in the lead-up to the Iraq war. Like, this happens. It's unfortunate. We obviously try to minimize the mistakes, but they happen. And it's not even clear that BuzzFeed made a mistake or they're standing by the reporting. But when it happens, it creates a bit of distrust for what we report. And that, in turn, allows people like Trump and Pence to say, don't believe what your eyes have seen. What is it like on the right when you're looking around at, like, the QAnon community and Gateway Pundit and stuff like that? Do they just basically say everything that you see in the media is bullshit?
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. What was noticeable to me about the Covington thing was that people took that and they said, you know, this is further proof that you can't trust anything the media says, for for example. So, I mean, you know, what we're seeing now is the result of decades of conservative
0: attacks on the media. That are actually becoming... Now they're bearing fruit. If you're like a candidate, a politician, a campaign, how do you go about dealing with this? And one thing I forgot about this, but back in 2008, when Obama was dealing with stuff like the whitey tape, they launched a website called fightthesmears.com. Do you remember this?
2: <laughs> well, it's kind of like correct the record, right? Under yeah, Hillary Clinton. Yeah, they, yeah.
0: And like the gist was, and I'm going to read an entry about how they thought it would work by putting their own website out there front and center and then getting everyone to link to it, starting with all the media covering the launch of the site. The result will be to drive FightTheSmears.com towards the top of a Google search on, say, quote, Obama is Muslim or Michelle Obama Whitey. Ideally, if enough of the pro-Obama network's link to fight the smears, it'll drive the site that peddle in the rumor-mongering, which are now the first results on said searches, off the top of the results list. It seems so antiquated to feel like <laughs> they were going to game Google as a way to, like, stop these things from spreading. And
1: also, Obama wasn't elected and re-elected because of, like, online antics like this he was elected and then reelected not because he managed to disprove that he was a muslim but because he told a better story and had a better message yeah but than i'm just McCain thinking like, ta- t- tactically so, it seems so like, hilarious
0: what, the idea was we're going to like out seo them Glenn. right
1: but my broader point is it's not going to work and the way they won was yeah. telling a better economic message
0: well if you were hired by a campaign to be like yo we got to deal with like the gateway pundits and the QAnons." and i mean
1: what do we do i
2: guess i would use the rumors and stuff to fire up my supporters like for example just today now jacob wool who's kind of a right wing prankster whatever he's pushing this idea that kamala harris is ineligible to run for president so if i'm kamala harris and somehow this thing catches fire let's say you use that to fire up your own base i would say because certainly people who are going to believe stuff like that or stuff about does
0: that not risk elevating the issue Either you <laughs> ignore it or you don't, <laughs> or right? You, well, you like, you want you, you people to love, yeah. you yeah. The Obama team for a while thought that just ignoring the birther stuff <laughs> would be, like, the way to go about it, and mm-hmm. then it just became unpalatable. And, like, I remember the day that they... Brought all the press in to reveal his long-form birth certificate if it's real, you know they're like Trump had been on a media tour for The Apprentice and like all he was talking about was the birth certificate, and they were trying I forget what the Obama team was trying to do but they're trying to like roll out like an important like economic policy and they just couldn't get any coverage for it and they're just they just thought themselves we have to get rid of this so they put it out thinking that that would put an end to it didn't. And then Donald Trump and then he became elected. president. <laughs> it, it, it's also so how do you deal with this?
2: I mean, there's one thing when you have like a document you can release, right? But but, but, but even that is... didn't
0: resolve it. I mean, he continued pushing it, right?
2: Well, it's funny, speaking of Jerome Corsi, Obama put out the birth certificate right before Corsi's book, Where's the Birth Certificate, came out. <laughs> and, you know, people thought they were like, that's the end of Jerome Corsi. Of course, as yet, it turned out, it was we not. we are. in a
0: weird we're gonna, age, We're going to
1: own them with logic, and that'll be the end of it.
0: Okay, so your advice is to just basically ignore it unless you can raise money off of it yeah I think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right on that note we're gonna end with i think what is a sort of an appropriate usual quiz which is is this the onion or is this not to see if you guys can sift through reality or non-reality okay is this the onion or is this not mormon gay conversion therapist now choosing to pursue life as a homosexual
1: real i think that's real that's it actually sounds, a heart like that's a heartwarming story. story yeah you're right,
0: it's real. All right, Dan Savage, disgusted by letter from perverted reader contemplating oral sex.
1: I think that's got to be fake. Wait, wait. Real, it could have been some really nasty kind of oral sex. It's the onion! Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, Trump postpones grand opening of Trump Tower Moscow until Fussover Bomb Show report dies down.
1: That's like a Borowitz column. Yeah, that, <laughs> like that, that's a... I wouldn't, on its worst day, say that's, that's a, the onion. The it's going to break my heart if that's the onion. <laughs> yep. I think it's fake. Well, yeah. I think I don't think it's. Real. It's the onion. Yeah, it's
0: pretty uh, bad. Yeah. Okay. Cocaine in London River is making eels hyperactive, researchers say. That's real.
2: That's got to be true. Yeah. Real. Yeah,
0: that's right. <laughs> Uh, that's I mean, nice. That's cool. Swin suddenly runs <laughs> to <the> London. <laughs> <laughs> books a flight to London. Eats eel sushi only
1: <laughs> from <laughs> the London River. Packs swimsuit. Uh, all
0: right. Well, listen, I don't think we did a very good job sorting through like non reality, but it was fun to
1: talk about it. Well, just always read and listen to thedailybeast.com mm-hmm. and you will know what is fake and what is very fake. And, and what is to true.
0: Wright Richter. All right. That's it for Omni Shambles. You can check us out on Google Play, iTunes, and of course, thedailybeast.com. And thank you for turning give us five star ratings and if you can get a six star in there just give us the six star team all right thanks take care guys